can't get away from remembering, I bet you too, the significance of this day some 70 years ago, um, Pearl Harbor. Uh, our president then said, you remember, a day that will live on in infamy, and he was quite prophetic. It, it does. I wasn't there. Many here weren't, but I, I know of it. I don't want to forget it. We were in an unprovoked manner attacked. Our values, our lives challenged. I believe 4,000 perished on that day. World War II, quite a time. And we're grateful for World War II veterans. There aren't many. I sit, have the privilege of sitting on most Wednesday nights there with Brother Chet, whom you know, who was a World War II hero. And then, of course, Stella's wonderful husband, Captain Marty Walsh, served both in the Army Air Corps, United States Coast Guard, World War II hero. Perhaps there are others here as well. You mean something to us. Quite a generation you were. Sad to say, I'm not sure we're quite as good today, quite as able as you were, and uh, we appreciate your service and your contribution. We were threatened at Pearl Harbor and responded accordingly. And thank God, victoriously, um, and we're embroiled in a battle of a different sort today. I think you're aware of it. And it's the battle to live uh, according to God's word. It really is a battle uh, because there are so many other influences competing for his attention. Just to show you what a battle it is and how to some extent we're not winning it, I'm going to share with you tonight a passage of Scripture that is very difficult and that will raise questions and cause uh, some offense and even controversy. And uh, I wish I, I had the, uh, felt the permission that Thomas Jefferson did to examine the Bible and what didn't appeal to his sense of reason, he, he just cut out. Did you know that? And then he, no computers, of course, in Thomas Jefferson's day, he, he would cut out the passages he liked, and he would, he would tape them on paper, and that's the Jefferson Bible. You can read it today. Nice to have that permission, but we don't have it. So the chapter before us is inspired, inerrant scripture that has application for us down to this very day, and you're not going to like it. Um, but I'm going to do my best to present it because it's, it's in there. It, in this chapter, uh, it's in Numbers, we will see God's word about your word. That's the theme. God's word about your word, and it's contained in Numbers chapter 30, uh, and this is how the text begins. First of all, let me tell you what came before. Last week, we covered chapters 28 and 29, complicated, and the theme was offerings and sacrifices rendered to God. You might wonder, how does this text connect? Well, 
uh, a very um, important category of offering to God are vows, promises, oaths we make to him. And that's what this chapter is about. We'll see what God's word is about your word. Here it is. Verse 1, chapter 30. Then Moses uh, spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, if, not when, if, this is voluntary, it's not obligatory, it's not compulsory, it's not commanded, it's not required. Don't miss the first word. If a man chooses off his own free will to do this, if he does this, nobody coerced him into doing it. The Lord did not require it. Moses didn't mandate it. If someone voluntarily chooses to speak out some verbal form of commitment and devotion and dedication and promise, some vow, some oath to Almighty God, if a man does that or takes an oath, a vow or an oath, sort of interchangeable synonyms, but in Hebrew, not really. There's a nuance between the two. Uh, a, A vow is a promise in Hebrew to do something. An oath is a promise not to do something. So there's a little bit of a difference. So if a man uh, makes a vow or if he takes an oath, again, it's, it's voluntary. If, if he does this to bind himself with a binding obligation, nobody told him to do it. Nobody twisted his arm. Uh, he just chose to do this. If a man does this, he shall not violate his word. (sighs) Do you remember the expression, did you grow up this way? Uh, a, A man's word is his bond. Remember that one? What happened? Charlie, what happened? I mean, it doesn't, words don't, People make promises, sign contracts. What happened? <laughs> may not be so important to us, but it's important to God. Nobody's telling you to make promises you can't keep. Nobody's telling you to make promises to God. But if you do, voluntarily. The attitude of the day says it's just words. No. Not when they fall upon the Listen to me. There's not a person in this room who doesn't expect God to keep his promises. Don't you think God has a right to expect us to do the same? If a man does this, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Why make a promise to someone if you don't intend to keep it? Why make a promise you're not able to keep? Why make a promise and then later choose not to keep it? If we do that with reference to one another, if we break our word to one another, that's serious. Can you imagine? 
how intensely serious it is when we break our word to Almighty God. Better, better, not to volunteer a vow, a promise, an oath, a statement, a commitment. Better to avoid saying those things than to say those things and not follow through. Once freely declared, God expects us to keep our word to him. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. It isn't a surprising statement to, to you if I said that the foundations of society are disintegrating. They are. And I think one of the reasons why the foundations of present day society are eroding is because of unkept promises on every front. Whether they involve contracts, whether they involve marital vows. Do you in sickness, in health, good times, bad till death alone shall? I do. Later, I don't. The breakdown of society, words, talk. So important to God have been so cheapened by us. Contracts, marriage vows, words spoken on the witness stand, political pledges. Oh my goodness. One of my own people, Bernard Baruch, once made this statement. He said, Vote for the man who promises least, he'll be the least disappointing. It can't be that all these running for office are pathological liars. I don't think so. I think many mean well. So they say things like, when I'm elected, I'm going to get rid of the, this department and that. I'm going to... You might support the idea. That's not the point. But there's a presumption of capacity to fulfill the promise that is simply not there. Uh, it's not one man. The, the, it's not the executive branch of our government that uh, holds sway. There's also the judiciary. There's Congress. You can have all the good intentions you want, but the opposing party is going to do just that. I'd rather have a man say... Let me reveal to you what I would do if I was able to, and that way you'll know what I value. But let me be clear about this. I'm not going to be able to do all that I would want to do because the structure of our government is such that the opposing party won't allow me 
too. Better for you, however, to have a man in office who at least has good intentions, even if he doesn't have the wherewithal to follow through. I'm finding the whole process to be so disingenuous. Here you have people running for office of either party who, in uh, less significant roles, don't seem to have made much a difference. And now they're stating things uh, implying that with far greater significance they can bring about change. Why didn't you do it on a lower level? if you expect for me to trust you to do it on a higher level. I didn't say there's lies. It's devaluation of words. Don't make a promise you have no reason to believe you can keep. Don't do it. Don't make me vote for you because of words. Uh, The American voting population is more cynical than at any time. The only one whose approval rating is lower than the president is the Congress. (laughs) Ain't that great? I would trust a man who acted like a man and not like a god. God said, let there be light. And there was. Because he has creative power. And no creaturely being does. I'll vote for someone who says we might have gone too far. The hole may be too deep for us to get out, but I'll do the best I can not to make it worse. I'll vote for that guy. Promises of leadership went on the domestic front. (laughs) Grotesque mismanagement of marriages and child rearing and sexuality and Financial management, and I'm supposed to entrust you with the management of the entire. If we do this to one another, do you realize how serious it is when we casually, of our own volition, make promises and declarations to God that we do not follow through on? It's very, very, very Serious. A man named Samuel Butler once said, Oaths are but words and words are but wind. But not to God. No, not, not to God. Have you heard the expression, I give you my word? There used to be a day when you didn't need it to be notarized and witnessed by three and a half high-priced lawyers and written in triplicate and raise your right. I give you my word. What does that mean today? It used to mean that you could believe and count on what the person said, but not today. I was at a conference recently. I spoke. I saw some people I hadn't seen in a while. One came to me afterwards. Stuart, good to see you. We got to get caught up. I'll give you a call this week. We'll set up a time to get together. Great, says I. I'm waiting for the call. It's not that big a deal, you might say. But why do you say something like that if you don't have any intent to follow through? Ran into someone I know the other day. Stuart, there's uh, something I've been meaning to give you. 
uh, I'm interested in your opinion of it, I will drop it off at church Monday. What's today? Yeah, I'm waiting. Why volunteer to say something that you don't have to if you don't intend to follow through? Hey, uh, uh, will you meet me? Uh, let's meet at Starbucks at 9.30. Listen to me. Am I missing something? That sort of means to me you'd be there at 9.30. Otherwise, why say it? I know things happen. Don't misunderstand, but it's a pattern, isn't it? It's a pattern where, you know, when my boys were young, uh, I told them, listen, guys, uh, develop skills, marketable skills through education, life experience, do the best you can in someone's employ, but I have to tell you what employers are looking for today more than a skill set is just a reliable employee. And even if you have nothing more than that, if you're just reliable, you're probably going to be retained. By reliable, I would tell them, show up. Woo, rocket science. <laughs> show up. Dress appropriately. Do the job description. <gasps> I've talked to a friend who's a HR guy of a big company, human resources, he says, Stuart, our biggest problem, we have jobs, our biggest problem is retaining reliable employees. We offer a great salary and benefit package and all the rest, a big company. We train, we do the whole thing. People come saying all kinds of stuff during the interview process. Uh, by week two, they don't even show up. Once I was a chaplain in the Army <clears throat> and uh, at Fort Bliss, Texas, you know where that is? Never was a military outpost more inappropriately named. <laughs> so I'm at Fort Bliss. It's called the Air Defense Command. I'd show up to the chapel in the morning. The place would be about the size of our chapel, be filled. A couple hundred soldiers, basic trainees, waiting to see the chaplain to pray to do Bible study? Are you kidding me? <laughs> to get a letter from the chaplain to get them out of their vow, their oath, and their contract to send them home to mommy. So I would just sit there one after another. And most of the time I would say, I hear you, and I sympathize, and I care for you. In fact, I care for you so much that you're not getting that letter from me. And I'll tell you why. If I do that now, then when you get home, you're going to marry your girlfriend. You enter into contract with her, covenant. And when it gets a little sticky, and it will, you're going to bail out of that one too. And then you're going to overextend yourself financially, and you're going to buy a car you don't need with a payment you can't afford. And then you're going to renege on that. And, and stick the car company with your irresponsibility and, uh, and, uh, and in, in, inability to fulfill you. So because I love you, I said, and you don't even have to pay me for this great life lesson. <clears throat> Mommy ain't here, and Big Daddy ain't here, 
but your drill sergeant awaits you. Now, I did write letters to some guys I would not want to be in combat with because they, they would do more harm than good. But. Do you solemnly swear vo- oaths of allegiance to the country, to the military branch? Some guy yells at you and you want to go home. My wife yells at me all the time. <laughs> Where am I going to go? Words. So all this being said, are there words, are there promises, are there vows that are not binding? Yes, there are. So here's where we get a little sticky. I've been trying to stall, but here we go. Verse 3. Also, if a woman, so that was a man we spoke about in the first two verses. He says something, he has to do it. Okay, but now we're reading about... The rest of you people, the other gender. Also, if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by an obligation in her father's house in her youth, she's probably a minor child. She's not living independent of her father. She's under his umbrella. If she does this and her father hears her vow and her obligation by which she's bound herself and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand. And every obligation by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father should forbid her on the day he hears of it, none of her vows or her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will forgive her because her father had forbidden her. Minor female child says something, some commitment, some promise. Dad hears it, lets it go. His silence is an indication of approval. It stands. If, on the other hand, he uh, wants to revoke and nullify her words, uh, he has the authority to do this. And she's not held responsible for it before God because he, the dad, is responsible for her. And you say, wait just a second. Aren't the words of a teenager important? Yeah, but you're seeing here, not nearly as important as the submission of a teenager to her father. Now, this is the part where I'm saying we're in a battle uh, of a different kind than what happened at Pearl Harbor. It's a, it's a battle to live by God's word because already today I can hear some people thinking about all kinds of mitigating circumstances and this is archaic. No. No. The child, the female child, is under the dad's umbrella. Listen to me. The mere fact that she made a commitment without consultation with him shows me she's a rebellious kid, you see. And and, and, uh, listen, the breakdown of society, in my opinion, is due to the breakdown in the value we put on our words and the breakdown of order, divine order in the family. Archaic. Biblical. I'm in a battle, and you are not to be influenced by the current of the day. I'm in a battle to take my marching orders from the Bible, from the Word of God. This is the way it is. The Father is the, to be the spiritual leader. And I know what you said, but, but, but what about the day? De- 
70% of black children are born without their dad present. Don't hate me for facts. Does that mean any, anything inherently wrong with black people? No. That's called racism. No way. I'm stating a fact. 70, and I wish a black leader would speak out about that. Can you imagine what it's like to be raised in the absence of male leadership? Go to a prison, and you will see one of the common denominators of convicted felons is the absence of a father. I did not justify the crime, but you can see the roots. You can talk about pumping all the money you want into schools, but when the kid goes home, where's dad? To check the report card and do the homework, you tell me. Archaic? <sighs> A violation of God's order in the home. He does this for the public good. And the public ain't so good because of the breakdown in the system. I wish for once Reverend Jesse Jackson would stop looking for victims and start talking about the breakdown of the family in the black community. Archaic? Politically incorrect? <laughs> Look at society. You know what this text shows us? It shows us how intensely important it is for children and young adults living under their parents' roofs to honor them, to respect them, and to submit to them. But I know what you're thinking. What if the dad's abusive? What if this? What if that? See, it goes both ways. Look at Wherever God in the Bible gives authority, he also, gives, he also requires accountability. The dad is accountable to God for the stewardship he exercised over his wife and children. You don't think God's going to hold those men accountable? Me, you, men? You don't think he is? And he doesn't give authority to the father except for the child's good and best interest. Exploitation, abuse, and all the rest, that's not the biblical exercise of authority. What child wouldn't readily submit to the loving leadership of a dad? I think the breakdown of society is due to failure to keep our word and failure to keep order in the household as God has required it. And now it gets worse in verse 6. Talking about a woman again. If she, this woman who has lived under her father's roof, if she should marry. So she gets to the point where she's old enough to marry. If she should marry while under her vows or the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself and her husband hears it. See, she made some vows, some promises, some verbal commitments before she was married, but now she's married. If her husband finds out about, it, about what she said and says nothing to her on the day he hears it, her vows shall stand 
and her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if on the, uh, on the day her husband hears of it, he forbids her, then he shall annul her vow, which she is under, and the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is one of the most politically incorrect statements I've read in a long time. You see the battle we're in? It is, it is either to be spiritually correct or politically correct. What's it going to be? See what God says here? Uh, a, a, a gal makes some commitments, some promise, but she marries. If her husband hears and lets it go, fine. If he annuls it, he has the authority to. And again, aren't her words important? Yeah, but once again, more important than her words is her submission to her husband. You know, I do weddings a lot. Most of us as ministers here, we do it. It's a great honor and privilege. And one of the things we do at the wedding, right at the outset, is to say, who gives this woman to be wed to this man? Oftentimes you hear this response. Her father and mother do. And then what happens is a transfer of a most sanctified kind. It's a transfer as he takes his beautiful uh, daughter's hand and arm and places it in the hand of this one to whom she is to be betrothed. The dad is essentially saying, I now transfer watch care to you. I now transfer provision, protection, trust, well-being from her father to you, her husband her husband. It's just, that, it's just that important from father to husband. What about equality between the genders? It's there, but the functions are different. They're different. Men, did you know that men and women are different? Did you know that? I tell you, I'm, it, it's such a crazy day, you have to remind yourself. That's why I'm saying we're in a battle to be influenced by the Word of God as over against the culture, which we are to influence. But the culture influences the church. The last time I spoke on this in one of our iConnect classes, the order in the family, a lady got up in the middle of the class and left. I called her, uh, which I will never do again. I feel like... If you don't like what someone says and you go, get up and leave, if you're that immature uh, that, and childlike that you can't even confront the speaker uh, at an acceptable private time, I'm not chasing you down. Go and go victimize another church. That's fine by me. I'll even give you a recommendation. There are churches I don't like. I'll send you to them. <laughs> so, this, so, I, so I called and she told me this teaching of uh, submission to Males, you know, that's just unacceptable. Unex, un... <clears throat> listen, a male who requires his wife, listen, to do anything unacceptable to God is abusing his position. So we're not into this crazy, I'm the man of my house. Are you kidding? Husbands, love your wives like Christ Jesus loved the church. 
He died. Male leadership means you take the lead in sacrificing for the well-being of your wife. It doesn't mean you autocratically and dictatorially impose your will upon her. That's not what it means. What woman wouldn't unconditionally submit to her husband's unconditional love? That's what, what God is telling us to live by over here. Well, then there's more. And uh, I should tell you, I really prayed for the rapture before tonight. <laughs> and then I have to say this. And then uh, my brother Chuck could have dealt with the text. It's a thing. We've been doing this for 15 years. He, it's, it's just a thing. So, uh, verse 9, but the vow of a widow or of a divorced woman, everything by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. So, a woman marries, but her husband dies, and she becomes a widow. Or a woman marries, and it ends in divorce. So she too is now on her own. Here, God says, there is no male to provide a covering for her. It's sad, but true. There is no male to provide a covering. Therefore, God is her covering. Therefore, she is directly accountable, not to father, not to husband, but to heavenly husband, to, to, to almighty God. And then it says, verse 10, however, if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an obligation with an oath and her husband heard it, but said nothing to her and didn't forbid it, then all her vows shall stand and every obligation by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband indeed annuls them on the day he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning the obligation of herself shall not stand. Her husband has annulled them and the Lord will forgive her. Every vow and every binding oath to humble herself, her husband may confirm it or her husband may annul it. But if her husband indeed says nothing to her from day to day, then he confirms in his silence all her vows or all her obligations which are on her. He has confirmed them because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. But if he indeed annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt." So there you have it. And I know these texts, even tonight, probably cause a measure of heartburn for some. I know it. And me too. And you know what that is a reflection of? It's a reflection of the extent to which we have been uh, fairly greatly influenced by the culture and the thinking of the day instead of the eternal, unchangeable word of God. I read this too, and I'm really laboring to find mitigating circumstances, to explain it away, to say stuff like that's not what it really means. You know, I, I want to do that because I don't, I don't. And then I'm convicted because I say, oh, holy one, what an indication of how far I have drifted and how much I, immersed in this society, have been influenced by it. I think about Pearl Harbor and that kind of military battle, more of which I think we'll face. But this is the spiritual battle we have to fight with victory as well. And it is the battle to stay true 
to the Word of God in a world situation that is becoming increasingly ungodly. So the text finishes. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses as between a man and his wife, as between a father and his daughter, while she's in her youth in her father's house. Folks, society is breaking down because we break our words and we break up our families. Do something about it. Me too. Do something. What? That's your business. Work it out before God. Do something about raising the valuation you put on your words. I want to do the same. I don't want to say things uh, I will be bound to. I don't want to say to someone, for instance, uh, unless I mean it, I'll call you on Thursday. I, I just, uh, you see, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it is. The devaluation of words. I think it is the end of the world. You can't trust anybody, can you? What's that guy's name from Illinois? Bogoinovich? Boganovich? You know, was he the governor of the deal? So he's being sentenced today, tomorrow, whatever the deal is. Is it today? Um, you, you know, he swore uh, no wrongdoing. No, he was selling political. The office vacated by a president. He was offering, Bogoinovich was offering it for sale. You know, can I tell you something? You can't do that. Did you know that? But then on top of it, he denied it to the death. Big hair, big smile. He even made it to the Celebrity Apprentice. Remember, Donald Trump put him on that thing. Words. Lying on the stand. Place your hand on this Bible. Do you solemnly swear to tell? I swear to... T- Oath. Do something about it. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Don't say, hey, will you marry me? I am persuaded that a a number of people, at least who come my way to be married, ought not be married. I'm increasingly telling them that. And boy, am I not popular. (laughs) Not down on marriage. It's holy matrimony. It's so holy that if I perceive a couple, it's just they don't have the resources yet to really understand what they're getting into, the vows that they'll be, you know, and the ceremony. You can spend thousands of dollars on weddings and have all kinds of music and this, that, and everything, but the highlight of the wedding is is the public recitation of vows before God and these witnesses. You can do it in the parking lot. It still doesn't detract from the sanctity of that particular moment until I, if I don't feel a couple is, has everything they need to fulfill those vows, the highest probability we can raise, there's no way I'm going to play that game. There's no way. I prefer funerals. We break our words. Society is breaking down. We break up families. Everybody here has a past. Me too. 
some of what I've said has hurt you. Me too. What's done is done. I'm just saying do it differently now. Let God forgive. He does. Let him heal and restore. He does. But, 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 and then we want to talk about grace and mercy. There comes a time when we have to talk about radical discipleship and sanctification and not just going to church, but being the church, being different, not being impacted upon by the culture, but being Lottie Moon to it. Roy, just to use her name as a humbling experience. I, I, I want to be more like her. I'm nowhere near. But we all should. We ought to cry, oh, God, keep me from being corrupted by the world's way of thinking, for I have the mind of Christ. Did you know he gave us the mind? That doesn't mean we're as smart as he is. It just means we have his values and his perspective. Tap into it more than Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Dr. Oprah. Come on. What does the Bible say about words? What does the Bible say about the family, about marriage, about child rearing? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Do something. Be salt and light. I want to do something too. I used to carry, this is bad stuff. I used to carry on the little card in my wallet, but I've memorized it now, so I don't have it. And it simply said this, I will never divorce my wife. I just wrote that down uh, soon after we got married. I just decided it would be helpful for me not to ever see that as an option. Because if I did, I'll be that cl much closer to exercising it. I know there are many who have suffered the throes of divorce here. I don't want to hurt anyone. But we do have a responsibilities, a responsibility to those who have yet to get there. Don't get there. Don't get there. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. It doesn't fix. Do you solemn? I do. I do. I do. And the divorce rate in the church is almost as high as it is anywhere else. Do something. Do something. Break down the society. We say it and don't mean it. <laughs> and crazy stuff happens in our homes. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> there's plenty of forgiveness to go around by your grace. But in that reality, we don't want to be sloppy. Sin all the more that grace may abound? No. No, no, no. Lord, weird people are speaking out with passion and boldness today. Why don't we? Weird people don't mind staking out their opinions about everything. What about us? 
Weird people don't, 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 don't mind living according to their crazy convictions. What about us who have your mind? God, would you clean us up? Would you start in here? Would you move us to renewed commitment to your word and ways? Would you move us to taking more seriously what we say to you, to one another, so as to be people who are seen to be reliable, can be counted on? And, oh, God, would you help us to have strengthened family order based on a hierarchy of authority and submission for the well-being of one another in society. Strong, male, spiritual leaders at the helm of families and marriages. Archaic? No way. Your word for every generation. God, put it within us to stand out as those who stand firm on what you have said. Lord Jesus, have I discouraged anyone from drawing closer to you tonight? I hope not. These guidelines you give are an indication of your love for us. You care how we live. What a heavenly father you are. You're the heavenly father to make up for every bit of father hunger so many of us have. You're the father we don't have and look for. Many of us, you care how we live. Oh, God, I pray for the one who's out there, <clears throat> alone and alienated without your watch care. I pray that one would be attracted, would want to be under your umbrella, under your roof, in your household, protected, provided for, forgiven. So come, Lord Jesus, even tonight into the hearts of those who have yet to invite you in as Savior from sin. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.